Greetings, all. This is Lewis. Just with a quick little note before you listen to this podcast, um, what with COVID and everything, we haven't been able to meet, so there hasn't been a new one for a little while, but I got a phone recording thing. Unfortunately, uh, on Glenn's side, he was using a cordless that was kind of a little bit glitchy, so there are some audio issues with this, with like um little kind of, yeah weirdness on Glenn's end. I've tried to smooth it over, and hopefully you can listen to it. It's kind of fun. Um, the glitches are only on his end, not on mine. And uh, yeah, anyway, if you listen to it, I hope you like it. And a quick reminder about Patreon, too. We have a few Patreon uh, patrons, and we're very, very happy to have them. And you can be one, too. Any amount would help with the uh, putting together of the show. Just check out our Patreon page. I should, uh, I'll be putting a link onto it through www.suspectvideo.ca site and wherever else I can put it. Okay, and now on with the show. We must drink. This is Tranya. I hope you relish it as much as I. Commander Balak. I know, I know. Arthur thousand questions. But first, the Tranya. Gentlemen. kind of breaking up a little bit oh really at least at least on my end although maybe not let's see because i am in the basement i'm using the phone that works better i have this one phone downstairs that doesn't hold the battery charge as much so i'm on the better phone but now i'm okay i'll just start by saying welcome again to a very suspect podcast and uh this is lewis and i'm speaking with glenn Hello. <laughs> and we're doing it all remotely because of the uh, COVID-19 thing. And so hopefully um, there won't be any audio issues. Hopefully they're not um, trying a, a program that'll record. And uh, yeah, we'll see. But, you know, if anything happens, I'll try and clean it up as much as possible and uh, put it out there. Sounds good. Yeah. So today we decided on focusing on a character actor. I, I'd say is fair to to describe him as He's a character uh, all right yeah yeah that uh that if if you watch movies doesn't matter what kind big hollywood films genre films it doesn't matter you you've seen this guy and uh it's clint howard yes sir yeah the one and only clint howard the one and the only. only howard that really matters <laughs> although most people know his brother which yeah. is ron howard exactly yeah um, talents, but not to the degree of Clinton. <laughs> no, no. Although they work together, you know, yeah, yeah, a, a fair amount. You know, like he's in all yeah. of Ron Howard's films, or most of Ron Howard's films. I can't say all of them, but and one has definitely done better financially than the other. <laughs> uh, I'd say so, and that yeah. would be Clint, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Clint's done really well. <laughs> yeah. Clint is also a Republican, unlike his brother. <laughs> is he <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I Clint didn't know apparently that. supported Ted Cruz, so there you go. <laughs> Good Lord. That says probably more about Clint Howard than anyone needs to know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, unlike his brother, who is a staunch Democrat and probably looks at Clint like there's something wrong with him. Yeah, he probably does. And his lack of success in life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can't be perfect, you know. I guess. It's like it's like my feelings about Ted Nugent. I love his music. I could do without him as a, as a human being. But hey. Yeah, I don't. I don't really like his music, but I and I don't like his music. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes you know, people, talented people in the arts, you may not agree with every way they live, but you don't focus on that. Just focus on the stuff that matters, their work. Yeah, exactly. That's why we. That's why we care about them in the first place, not their opinions on things. True. True. 
whatever celebrities start giving their opinions on things left or right, it's like, yeah, who gives a shit? Shut up. Just do your do your job, monkey. Yeah. Stand yeah. for it. So where to start with Clinton? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess so. Like Clinton. Clint was born in 1959. I do know yep. that. Which makes him 61 years old now. I think his birthday is in April. Yeah. So I remember, I'm a, I follow him on Facebook, so Facebook, Facebook. So I remember uh, seeing his birth date just recently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And he was, uh, his parents were uh, both actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His dad, dad's name was Rance Howard, Rance. I believe. Rance Howard, yeah. Did yeah. lots of westerns and tons of TV. <laughs> yeah. And his, yeah. his mom's name was kind of escapes me right now. Yeah, I don't know his mom's name. That's I've lost I'm not yeah. on that one. But Yeah. But they lived in California, you know, like Hollywood Hollywood Central type of thing. And his brother got um I guess a job very early as a young boy in the Andy Griffith show, right? Yes. Which actually was also the first work that Clint ever had. He was two years old and he appeared on a few episodes of the Andy Griffith show. I, I heard that uh his very first scene that you see is him in, in like a, a little cowboy uniform. He doesn't have mm-hmm. any, any lines or anything. And, no, and he no. went to went on set, which he never really did. And he always wore this cowboy uniform and they just decided he was so cute. And they, yeah. they shot him and then, yeah, he came back. I mean, he had little bit parts here and there after that, but it wasn't until Gentle Ben, right, which was like ran for two years, 67, 69. That's when he got a real role. Because he was, he was pretty much one of the stars of He that. was pretty much the lead. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's about, you know, um, him and his mm. best friend, which is a, a bear. <laughs> you yep. know, there's no way around that. It's a bear and they have like little adventures and things like that. And, yeah, a yeah. very small bear, mind you. A small bear. It, it would yeah. be better if it was a massive bear. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A grizzly should have been. And of course, even more importantly for genre nerds, prior to Gentle Ben, he was on an episode of Star Trek that is a, considered a legendary one. Oh, he yeah. played the alien Balak, right? In Balak. the uh, Orbamite Maneuver episode. Exactly. Which he had eventually ended up parroting on the Comedy Central roast of William Shatner, where yeah. he reprised that character, except now Balak was a waste case and he had a bong and he was getting high. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I mean, I mean, he's just as freaky looking in, in both. And and for anyone that's seen it or hasn't mm-hmm. seen it, you know, I'll I'll place it up there. But it's hilarious because it's him mouthing and it's a different actor speaking, and yeah. it's mm-hmm. just the it, it's just such a bizarre bizarre character. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, the the thing about that, and he's made jokes about this over his life, too, is that a lot of times for certain types of roles like that, when they wanted a freaky-looking character, they didn't have to do a lot to make him look freaky-looking. No, that's true. He was, he's, always, he's always been an odd-looking human. There's something about his appearance that's a little off. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. And he's turned it to his advantage, obviously, so you know, mm-hmm. good for him. You know? but yeah, that was a classic episode, and he... Eventually, as the years went on, he appeared in a variety of different Star Treks, you know, the varying different versions that have come down over the decades. He's, yeah. he's appeared in small roles in, in Deep Space Nine and various different things over the years. So kept his uh, work with Star Trek, but he did a lot of TV in the 60s and 70s. And, he did, yeah. When I was looking at it, like he was in episodes of everything from Courtship of Eddie's Father uh, yep. Like we talked about the Andy Griffith show, but he was in The Fugitive. He was in Bonanza. the Coach Betty's Father movie. Maybe? I movie thought he was in the TV show, too. No, that was his first role as an actor in a, in a feature film. He was in the 1963 movie of that. He, I mean, in that time period, he was doing a lot of TV, but... Uh, Courtship of Eddie's Father, I don't think, appeared on TV until later in the 60s, after the original movie. Oh, okay. With a, with a, with a somewhat of a different cast, too. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, but I guess in the mid-60s, you know, he was on so many different TV shows. I, I mean, he was in Mod Squad, he was Mod in Squad. Night Gallery, he was in The Fugitive. Yeah. In the 70s, he was in things like Streets of San Francisco. Yeah, love. I mean, in the 80s, he was in Married with Children and Seinfeld. And... He was in Odd Couple and Love oh. American Style. So like, much. A lot. I mean, not reoccurring roles or anything like this, no, no. but but All he would one-off. he would appear. Yeah. He's he was always recognizable though. Like there, there's no way that you would see him in a bit part and not recognize that it's. You might not know that it's Clint Howard, but you knew that you saw that that guy before. The shape of his head and his appearance definitely kind of made you think, yeah, I recognize that guy. Yeah. I've always seen him in other things, but I'm not sure in what. And that's the thing. He's, it's not easy necessarily to remember what because he's been in so many things. And sometimes he shows up in something in just a tiny little brief scene. Mm-hmm. You know, he's there and he's gone. So 
until he started getting better, bigger roles, you know, he was just kind of facing the crowd. He was just a guy who kind of came in, had a line, and was gone. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was, that was a lot of his work was like that. But I mean, when it comes to the '70s work, obviously, once his brother started directing features, then he was able to get better roles. So Ron's first feature would have been when he was working with the New World and producing the car chase films. Yeah. You know, like uh, Eat My Dust and Grand Theft Auto. They were back-to-back. 76, I think, was Eat My Dust, and 77 was Grand Theft Auto. And obviously, he was able to get himself into those because his brother was, was making these films. Right. I'm Ron Howard. This is Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto is a love story with cars. I love him, and that's why we're going to Las Vegas to get married. I want my Rolls Royce. This Rolls Royce isn't exactly mine. Want to pull over and fool around a little? Mm. Also, it's a comedy. With car crashes. But I am a superior driver! young people can be. Couldn't call what Sam and I have done, Rape. I know what I call it. Yeah, but even better than those two was the film that they made for TV a year later in 78, which was Cotton Candy. Cotton, Cotton Candy is like probably one of the greatest things that Clint Howard has ever done in his life and will ever do in his life. You think like, so? Well, he's... It's, it's in my top five, Clint Howard. <laughs> no question. Oh, is that? Have you not seen Cotton Candy? No, I haven't. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> what, what does he play? He plays Corky McPherson, who is this nerdy kid who basically wants to manage a band. So these other nerdy kids form a band called Cotton Candy, and they're going up against this group of the, of teenagers that are liked in the school because they're, they're, they're like standard late 70s rocker guys. And uh, their band's called Rapid Fire. And so everybody loves Rapid Fire. And then there's this goofy, geeky band. And Charles Martin Smith is the leader of that group. <laughs> and uh, they need a manager. And that then steps Clint Howard's character, Corky McPherson, who is like the classic nerd's nerd. He, you know, this is as nerdy as a character can get in a movie. And he's amazing. He has, he has amazing lines. Just everything that he does in that movie is amazing. <laughs> yeah, and that and that's Ron Howard's. Uh, he directed that as well. That was made for for network television TV movie of the week. I mean, I've heard it, but yeah, he wrote it. And everything. I think Ron Howard had everything to do with that. I think the production company, everything, was basically Ron, his dad, and Clint, kind of like as a production company to create that movie. And yeah, it's a masterpiece. Unfortunately, I don't know if it's ever had a release even on VHS. Hmm. It's really just kind of fallen through the cracks, but luckily over the years it's it's circulated, you know, through bootleggers and things of that nature. But uh, yeah, hmm. it's tough. I don't know if they'll ever release that movie officially. Although I don't know why they wouldn't. I mean, maybe Ron's embarrassed by it or something. But it's it's pretty classic. And the the group like Cotton Candy actually writes their own songs. They'll have like they'll have a song that they perform. Whereas Rapid Fire, the group that everybody loves, didn't, does never never plays an original. And frankly, the only thing you hear them play in the movie is repeatedly throughout the movie I shot the sheriff really which is like a which is the most ridiculously horrible hard rock heavy metal version of that song and uh the actor who plays the leader of that band is the guy who did a lot of uh stuff in the late 70s named Mark Wheeler and he was like you know the kind of guy who would show up in the teen magazines as the hot pinup that the girls loved at the time you know and uh he's the leader of the band and he's great in it and you know that band has pyro and you know Flying V's and massive amplifiers, and they present the right image in Cotton Candy or just these geeky nerds with tiny little ants. And just really, yeah, it's classic. It's, it's a great movie. <laughs> That's I advise anyone to try to track that one down if they can see Cotton Candy. It's well All worth right, it. Come on, let's go. We're going to go. They're ready. <laughs> To continue with our program for this afternoon, we're ready for our fourth group. This is the first time they've appeared in the Battle of the Bands. Can we have a nice welcome for Cotton Candy?
Do you have a copy? I have a copy. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I took a copy on, on DVD. But, uh, yeah, it's so great. Uh, at one point when they're trying to audition people for uh, for the band, they put an ad in the school newspaper and it says, it says something to the effect of, I may be getting the exact wording wrong, like, don't be a baboon apply soon or try out soon or something like that. That's, and that's, that's, that's a uh, quirky McPherson's line. Even uh, Charles Martin Smith's character is like, I don't know if that's the best way to try to get people to, to come in and audition. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's, there's so much great stuff in that movie. It's, it's, yeah, it's one of Clint's best roles. Definitely. But I also love another TV movies. And although he has a minor role in that, and that's uh, from 77, the death of Richie. Death of Richie, yeah. Yeah, which he has a very small part in. Actually, if I recall correctly, it's been a while since I've seen it. I think he's one of the group of high school friends of Robbie Benson, who's the main character, Richie. Mm-hmm. But I think in that scene, if I recall correctly, PJ Souls is one of the group of friends as well in that. But it's been a while since I've seen it, so I might be wrong on that. But I remember that there's Clint Howard's there, and then I think it's PJ Souls there. and there might have been some other people too that were recognizable from that era, but uh, oh. yeah, Death of Richie is also one of the better TV movies. I, I don't remember P.J. Souls being in it. That's weird, but I haven't well, seen it well, in a again, long, long time. Cameo like that, like I, I mean, they might have a line. I'm not even sure. It's kind of has a line. I think he's just there. He might say something, but uh, yeah, that's such a great movie. Like that is one of the better '70s TV movies. Ben Gazzara, the dad, is amazing. Actually, you know who actually claims that to be one of his favorite movies of all time? Who's that? Vincent Gallo. Really? Yeah. He has actually said in interviews that Death of Richie is one of his favorite movies. People always look at TV movies like, you know, these things. They had limitations, obviously, on what they could do because of the, you know, the ratings they had to follow and the content that they could show. But a lot of times they made up for some of the more sordid things they couldn't show just with good storytelling and good writing and really competently put together storytelling. So, And a lot of times that really works. I mean, even with some of the TV horror movies of that era, you... You realize that okay, they can't be graphic, but they still manage to find interesting ways to to you know tell what their the story is. You know, so mm. it, it definitely works. You know, but uh, yeah, Clint uh, he appeared in I think a few other TV movies in the in the seventies as well. But those are the ones that really stand out, especially Cotton Candy. Like that's his his masterpiece of that era for sure. But yeah, you know, he was he was definitely a busy actor, even though it was just tiny little roles here and there. It, it kept him going. But it wasn't really until I guess you could say seventy nine with Rock and Roll High School that he got a great role too. It's nineteen eighty. Welcome to Rock and Roll High School. Rock and Roll High School. Do you want I am Miss Togar, and I am the new principal of this school. And who are you? I'm Riff Randall, rock and roller. The only girl I ever dream about at night is Riff. I've done more detentions than anyone in the school's history. Are you a virgin? Oh. How about a cheerleader? Nice set of pom-poms. Term wanted Riff. But Riff wanted to live a rock and roll fantasy to the music of her favorite group. The hottest band this side of the Iron Curtain, the Ramones! Did reach out to more people. Because, you know, in the previous Ron Howard New World Picture releases, he had small roles. He wasn't a peripheral character in any way. He was just another character in the background. But in Rock and Roll High School, they gave him a really juicy role as of Eagle Bauer, right? Eagle Bauer is great. <laughs> yeah, Eagle Bauer is a great character. And um, do you want to describe who Eagle Bauer was? In the, uh... You can describe Eagle Bauer. <laughs> no, uh, Eagle Bauer is like, you know, obviously the film takes place in a high school. And uh, Eagle Bauer is like, I can't tell in the movie whether he's a student or not like he doesn't seem to be a student he doesn't seem to go to any classes or anything no. but he's he's the guy in the school that can get you anything you know yeah. any everything from like, like pot and cigarettes and booze to like getting laid you know like he and can it, facilitate it like all these things too yeah, his office is in, <laughs> it's 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 kind of like in an antechamber in the in the men's room. You know, yeah. he has a desk there. He has like it's it's basically it's an office, but you have to get go through the the men's room to get to it. Yeah, and it's ridiculous. It's, it's like hilarious. You see the line forming to see him, and then you open the door, and it's like some secret room in the background. Like where yeah. would this room be? Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like they open a stall, and there's a secret room in the back there. <laughs> 
and he's got a secretary. <laughs> yeah, which is so amazing, and he's so great in it. You know, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, he's he's pretty. Un- the the whole movie is, is chock full of really charge. interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's always my favorite line. Look at this whole path of the falling off the charge. <laughs> Oh, my man, it's good to see you. Good to see you. How are you doing? Good. Well, have a seat. Have a seat. Yeah. So what will it be for uh, the star quarterback of Vince Lombardi High? Fake ID? Get your liquor in any state? Uh, no. Hall pass? Test answers? No, no, that, that's not going to solve my problem. Been like this all morning. Ever since Togar took off. The whole school's in turmoil. Well, well look. Look at this. Fake IDs down 50%. Test answers down 60%. Home passes are falling off the board. Or, or the method of un, un, unlocking a bra. You know, yeah, exactly. So many great scenes in it. You know? Yeah, he has graphs for everything. And yeah, he's like, his yeah. dialogue is so great. I mean, yeah, almost anything he says is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, I, that was the movie. I mean, I'm sure I saw I saw him previous to that but that was a movie that he really sort of you know to me just stood right out and yeah and it became sure. an indelible kind of you know character in in my genre filmmaker film watching i should say well he would have been about 19 when they shot that movie yeah in late 78 and uh yeah so i mean he kind of looks the right age for it although of course he always looks older than he is well that's because he started balding really early exactly, exactly. and it's generally just his odd look also has a tendency of making him look a lot older than he would be yeah so, he yeah. has kind of like a, a light bulby shaped head yeah he has yeah. a gap in his front teeth he uh he looks older than he is he's balding like He's definitely an odd-looking dude. <laughs> yeah, he is, you know. Sometimes I've seen him in certain roles where you look at his head and his eyes and everything, you think, the guy looks partially mongoloid almost, <laughs> even though I know he's not. He he just, the, there's, there's there's something very odd about uh, his look and everything, too, but yeah. that, that in some ways that's the thing that makes him really interesting. You know, it's like... He's a, he's a he's an odd looking character. It's kind of like when you joked in the past about not really needing a lot of makeup for certain roles, and you can kind of see it. It's sort of like he's a weird looking dude, and he's managed to make that work in his favor. Yeah, yeah, but you, you know. know, like it's it's weird in that he, even if he's given very few lines in a movie, he's always I don't know he he like infuses them with personality. It's always yeah. like you know there's there's a three dimensionality to you know even a two yeah. sentence character you know? well like any good character actor you know whether it's him or it's antonio vargas or it's rg armstrong or whoever these guys can come in and just do a little scene and that's that's great it's a great little scene it's all you need it's perfect you yeah know, for the, what they're what the character you know needs to do and that's a sign of a good character actor obviously. that's true yeah. and he is that and he's been lucky at least to get some lead roles over his life yeah know? a couple of them i think you know not too many years after that he got his first big lead role like evil well, speak yeah, two years after Evil Speak came out in '81, right. and yeah, and he, you know, so at that point, yeah, he was he was the lead in a, in a horror film, and mm-hmm. that was a great role. Stanley Coopersmith is his character in that one, and uh, and yeah, that's just a great silly movie, and he's really good in it. He's really over the top, and you know, the, his the supporting cast in that film is really great and everything too. And actually, mm-hmm. I think R.G. Armstrong's in it. <laughs> you know, they mentioned him. Yeah, he, I think so. He's in that too, and right. uh, also the kid from uh, What's Happening. Uh, what I can't even remember his name, but he's the guy who played. Dwayne. And, and in, also that, the, in that one, he's like a bullied kind of character who uses computers and, I don't know, witchcraft yes, to like summon yeah, a demon yeah. to kind of get back at his his bullies and stuff like yeah. that. And it's an example of one of those early computer, you know, um, yep, based movies, sure. you know, which is always fun to see. Everyone's known a boy like Stanley Coopersmith. Evil speak. He's the kid everyone used to pick on for the last time, Cooper Dick. You see, everyone thought Stanley was a joke. <laughs> An outcast with no one to turn to. You guys broke my catapult. You're going to pay for that. No one except man's most advanced machine. Stanley used the power of man to call on the powers of evil. I... Stanley Coopersmith, command you! Oh my god. And all hell broke loose. Oh. 
funny when you think that the lead bully in that film who harasses him later on became the father of the character Donna on that 70s show. Like I said, yeah, he's in Evil Speaking. He plays the head bully. Okay. He's the main guy who's tormenting him. And yeah, he became, uh, he was Donna's dad eventually on that 70s show. Yeah, I think it's Don something. Is it Don Scardino? No, no, that's a different Don. Yeah. <laughs> did you like Evil Speak? I did. Evil Speak is a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's ridiculously over the top and silly and stupid, but <laughs> that's what uh, what makes it actually quite entertaining at the same time too. And it was definitely a, a big role for him. You know, I guess on the heels of Eagle Bar and Rockmore High School, that was definitely the next real decent role he had. You know, where he yeah. was like carrying the film essentially. He's a working actor, so he's in tons of stuff. But after that, he was relegated back back to bit parts, even though the bit yeah. parts were bigger than they were, I remember. Oh, was... At least until the mid-90s again, when he got the Ice Cream Man, and then he got to be a lead again. <laughs> yeah, but before that, that like, he was a... Until 95. <laughs> he was a character in The Wraith, which was, like, he was, yeah. like, the mechanic, the weird the old mechanic, mechanic with guy with his... Got, they referred to as Rughead. Yeah. <laughs> Rughead is amazing. And that has a wig on him and stuff, and and uh, uh, round glasses. and He seemed like a, an interesting character there, too. It's like He's just obsessed with cars. It's not that he's necessarily a bad guy or anything like this. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. Like, around cars. Hey, you gotta raise your hood! We got a digital radio killer now! You try to run, we zap your electrical system! And again, it's just like with the ridiculous wig they got him, it's just another way of taking a guy who's kind of weird looking to begin with and making him look even stranger. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing about Clint. It's just like, what can we do to this guy to make him even look weirder than he does already look? I mean, you got to figure that's what happened with Star Trek. When they thought, okay, we need this little kid to play this alien. And he comes in, they go, look at this kid. He looks like he, he, looks like he is an alien. You know, it was perfect. So, yeah. I, I got to figure that that's probably the logic behind something like that. Uh, and especially what he's wearing, too. Like, it's, yeah. you know, he's wearing that kind of, you know, glittery moo-moo almost, you know, on a little kid with a double yeah, voice. That, it's so and funny. And I think the thing about him that was unique and interesting, and that's why they chose him, is that at that age that he was when he did that, which I guess he would have been about seven when mm-hmm. they when they did that, he, again, for a seven-year-old, looked like he had an unusually large head. You know yeah, because I mean? yeah. like Clint has a big head, and so imagine as a little kid. I mean, the head probably looked really abnormally large at the time, and they just thought, "Now that guy looks like an alien." <laughs> you know, they just said, "We put a little bit of makeup on him, put him in some goofy clothes, and we got a perfect alien there." <laughs> we'll just have a voiceover for him, anyways. And hey, there you go; it'd be perfect. Yeah. Tronyak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's what they did with him, and it's perfect. But. Had he been not so freakish looking, you know, I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't have did as well as he did as a as a younger person getting roles and everything. They just thought this kid's got a weird look. Yeah, that's true. You know? And if, you know, if you're doing horror sci-fi, it's all the better because something it's like a strange character is always going to work. It's too bad that Clint Howard never showed up in uh, you know in David Lynch work. Like he he should have been in Twin Peaks for Christ's sakes. Yeah, actually. <laughs> anyway, he would have been perfect in a scene, you know, where they go into the red room or whatever, and there's there's the midget and everything, and then all of a sudden, Clint Howard guy shows up, he's all bug-eyed and everything. You know, we're perfect. Yeah. Oh, well. Just opportunity. At the time, he's like, Lynch, come on, man, contact me. Put me in your movie. He'd, he'd be perfect for a lot of Lynch movies. I mean, he's got some weird-ass shit going on, and all of a sudden, this freaky guy like Clint shows up. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. perfect. You know, next to the, the the tall man or whatever, you know, it'd be perfect. He would have been, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, too bad. Missed yeah. opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you look at Clint Howard's filmography in the 80s and early 90s and all that, you see, like, he was in, like, one low-budget cheeseball horror film after another, you know, like from Silent Night, Deadly Night 4 to Carnosaur and Ticks and Leprechaun 2 and, and yeah. just one after another. And he made so many movies like that. And I mean, you know, I, I can see why they would bring him in because it's the same kind of thing. You probably get him for a decent price. He, he, he had a name. You know, people, people recognized who he was. He would be solid with the lines. He, you know, the, some of the other actors in the film might be horrible, but then he can come in and give him one scene and he yeah. could be really good in that scene. A prime example of that, I'm thinking, is Uwe Boll's House of the Dead. Right. A horrible, horrible movie. Mm-hmm. But Clint Howard shows up, and it's the best thing in the movie when he yeah. shows up. It's the best scene. It's 
So he's, again, I think that's why he's brought in sometimes to these low-budget horror films, that he might add a little bit of class, if you can imagine such a thing associated with Clint Howard, but he sort of classes, classes up the film a little bit more. He does. And he's, in a, he's been in a few Uwe Ball films. Yeah. You yeah, know, because exactly. he was in, uh, is it Blood Rain or something like this? Blood Rain, played, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he right. plays a scientist. This is this is really funny. He plays a, kind of a scientist who's working to extract the essence of like, I don't know, some vampiric essence so that he can transplant it to Hitler and have Hitler live forever. Okay. Yeah. Something something like that. Yeah. And they shot it twice and they released it once. They shot that scene with him in it, kind of mm-hmm. examining a body or taking, you know, doing an autopsy or whatever he was doing. I can't quite remember. And they shot it uh, uh, straight for Blood Rain. And then they shot it the same scene, same set, and everything comedically to put it into Blubberella. Mm, okay. Yeah. Same character, even. Yeah, I have not seen either of those films. Actually, I have not seen anything of those with Blood Rain. Isn't there like three or four Blood Rains? I think so. Maybe more. Yeah. I don't know. I've never seen any of those. They're hard I, to also watch. Re- I was also reading about a movie made in 2015 I never heard of uh, called Funhouse Massacre. Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't. Yeah, it sounds horrible. <laughs> I mean, it's a big part in that as well, right? It's a bit part two, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's a lead. And it's the same way that even in more recent times, Rob Zombie's been using them. You know, ever since, I guess, yeah. Halloween, Rob's been kind of periodically throwing them in a scene here and there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Halloween was probably the most impressive of the the, the Rob Zombie works because of the, the one scene he had was a minor scene. But do you remember the scene? No, no. Which one? The scene was amazing. It had basically Plint Howard, Udo Kier, and Brad DeRiff all in the same scene speaking together. Brad DeRiff was like the, a cop, like the sheriff or whatever. Clint Howard was like the was like the mayor, maybe, or was that Udo Kier? I can't remember. But anyways, it's like three people from the city all gathered to like talk about the the problem they're having right now. Oh anyway. yeah. And uh, and Clint has a wig. <laughs> and you just I just remember watching that in the theater when that movie came out and going, oh my god, Brad DeRiff, Udo Kier, and Clint Howard in the same scene. <laughs> now that's that's stunt casting at its finest. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Rob Zombie loves to do that stuff, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I know a lot of people, that's what they don't like about Rob Zombie, too. They think he's cheeseball. Like, you know, you, you take Lawrence Hilton Jacobs and you throw him in a movie. I'm like, throw Lawrence Hilton Jacobs in a movie. I, I want to see him. I'm totally fine with that, you know. Yeah, I have no problem, no problem with, with, that at all. with stunt casting at all, you know. Yeah, I think yeah. these people, uh, it's interesting to see them in such a context too, that you wouldn't expect, you don't expect to see Boom Boom Washington, Freddie Boom Boom Washington, in the context of a movie like a Rob Zombie film. You know? yeah. So it's it's cool when it happens. And which one was he in again? He was in, uh, uh, what was that movie called now? The, the second last zombie film, not not Three from Hell, the one before it. Isn't it is, is it a number? Yeah, the one with the, the again, Nazi dwarf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, what was that film It called? was a number, wasn't it? Was it like 21 or... I can't remember. God, I can't remember either. 30? Was it 30? 30? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just picking a number now. You said 21, I'm saying 30. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, what was that stupid movie called? Oh, God. No, I don't well. know. Anyways, um, yeah, that was the one that Lawrence Hilton Jacobs was, was, was in. Mm-hmm. Along with like E.G. E. Daly and people like that, too. Yeah, that's right. Cool to see her, too. Yeah, but yeah I no, think cool to see great. these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the stunt casting doesn't bother me. I know a lot of people are just like, uh, it's cheesy. You know, and I'm sure some people thought that way when they saw Udo Kier, Brad DeRiff, and Clint Howard together. But I was like, yeah, right on. <laughs> I'd yeah. rather see that than a bunch of people I have no idea who they are. I mean, that's just, I mean, I know some people, they say it brings them out of the film because they're just like, ah, I can't look at these guys together. It's just not believable anymore. But, you know, mm-hmm. look what you're watching. Is it believable in the first place? You're watching a stupid movie to begin with. You know, it doesn't matter to me. I'd rather see uh, interesting character actors thrown into the parts than some people who are strangers to me. You know, I have true. no clue who they are. You know, but yeah, I guess people feel differently about these things. Some people would rather see new actors they've never seen before. It's uh, easier to accept them in the roles sometimes. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't have that problem. Yeah. I would. I like the stunt casting. I mean, I think the stunt casting is what makes people like Rob Zombie films kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know. I agree. He's but, a fan, you know, he's a nerd guy fan, you know, he wants to put the kind of people he likes in his movies. I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. Nothing well, wrong with that. Yeah, Clint's, Clint's career, for a while he kind of disappeared because he said, mm-hmm. uh, I was reading up and he just wanted to, like, enjoy himself and party. And, sure. and uh, Was it during that period that he formed his band? 
No, the band was really early on. The band was like in 81. It was, oh, was the it? band was going probably when he was at his peak almost, you know, in terms of like post rock and roll high school. And then, you know, Evil Speak would have been around the same time the band was going. Yeah. Yeah. He was definitely around 21, 22 when the band started. It only lasted a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Do you want but, to talk uh, about the band? Yeah, the band is great. I mean, they never released anything at the time. But uh, around 2007, Clint decided it was time to take the recordings they had, which wasn't many songs, maybe four studio cuts, and then uh, some live tapes he had, and uh, just pieced it all together and sell it as a self-release CD, which he did at the time. And I ordered because I was always curious. I knew he had a band, but never was able to hear the material before. It was something that you'd read about that he would play in L.A. at famous clubs like Madame Wong's, but that they never actually released anything, even though they had gone into the studio on a couple of occasions. Hmm. So finally, he gathered it all together, and uh, it was actually surprisingly good when I heard it. I was like, you know, his band was competent. You could tell that they weren't just like uh, guys that just decided to start playing an instrument a week before they formed the band, that these guys... We're guys that probably kind of grew up more with 70s rock as their influences because they could play better. The so, their guitar solos, it's almost like they were sort of dumbing it down for some of the songs, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I actually like when musicians do that, when you can tell that these guys can actually play better, but they're choosing to simplify it. And that's kind of what Clint's band is. And again, was Clint a singer, really? No, no, he doesn't really sing. He, he, there's no crooning on these songs. It's basically just a guy you know, kind of shouting them out for the most part. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, he's not hitting a lot of notes. But uh, it is entertaining, and the lyrics are kind of are funny, and Clint's responsible for the for the lyrics. And, uh, yeah, they have song titles like No Brains at All and Left-Handed Boy in a Right-Handed World. And one of the better songs is New Wave Dog Day, which is a classic. There's just a, yeah, there's a lot of uh, silliness to the song. I've seen one for New Wave Dog Day on YouTube, hmm. and 
Yeah, he looks ridiculous in them. His hair is like, I think, I figure what color his hair is. I don't know if he like dyed his hair pink in oh, yeah. the videos or something, or green. I think there might, but it's, uh, he does looks he ridiculous. Does he have like eyeliner and stuff too? Yeah, he kind of does. Yeah, he just kind of looks ridiculous and he's just sort of jumping from the camera shouting and acting like an idiot. It's just, it's pretty entertaining, you know, because you're looking at him going, this is a freaky looking dude to begin with now. It kind of makes sense he's in a punk band, you know, and it's like, you know, it's perfect. And I think he knew it too. It was like, yeah, the more ridiculous I look, the better. You know, it's, mm. it's, it just works. But, but yeah, I, I quite enjoy the CD. It's, uh, it's very entertaining. I'm sure he didn't sell many of these things. Like I said, it was a self-release thing. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, but when I saw it online one time, I was like, oh my god, I got to order this. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's pretty neat. But yeah, so Clint's had a, definitely an interesting career over the years. And you know, yeah. he he remained friends with uh, with people like Johnny Ramone for years after that movie. Oh, did he? Yeah, in, in more recent years of his life, uh, well, like, well, Johnny's been dead for quite a while now, but in the last years of Johnny's life even, uh, Clint was doing a cable show out of his garage <laughs> that was like run on some LA cable thing, and then eventually just put them all up online, and you could watch them on YouTube. And uh, some, at some point in the last years of Johnny's life, uh, he had Johnny on his show even, you know, which was, like I said, held in the garage. It was like the garage of his house. <laughs> they just took the car out and they just put a, a desk in there. And uh, every time a guest came on, he would uh, present them with, like, it was almost like a gong show kind of thing. He would give them, like, $6.12 and a turkey. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a frozen chicken or something. It was just like they present that to the guest. And, that's, and there was, like, a, a person doing, like, sort of like the – like a voiceover kind of thing, not a voiceover. What's the word? I'm like, like an announcer, like a host thing. Right. Today on the Clint Howard Show, we have, you know, that kind of thing. And you can, it was off camera. You'd never see the person. It's the Clint Howard Variety Show. Now, here he is, Clint Howard. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Clint Howard Variety Show, the shortest, cheapest variety show in the history of entertainment. There was just this low-budget show he made, and there was a whole bunch of different episodes, and he actually got some really famous people on them. Didn't he? Did, wasn't it called? A, it had a really basic name, like the Clint Howard Variety Show or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's on YouTube, and and yeah, it's sometimes it's surprising when you know, see this like really famous guest come on and just hang out in his garage with him. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, he always remained friends with uh, Johnny Ramone and Alan Arkush, you know, the director of Rock and Roll High School. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. So yeah, I mean, he he liked the music at the time, and he, he said the Ramones were new to him when he uh, when he made Rock and Roll High School. He wasn't really that familiar with them. It was just sort of like, oh yeah, he knew the name, but he wasn't that familiar with their music, and that kind of hooked him. So maybe at that point you could say he was 19 when they started shooting Rock and Roll High School, that maybe that was his real introduction to punk, you know. Hmm. And then after that, it inspired him enough that he's like, yeah, I could do this. <laughs> so I'm going to form my own band, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that Clint Howard would be into punk music anyways, right? He's, he's, he's a misfit in his own way, so it kind of yeah. makes sense that he would be into that stuff. But uh, yeah. That's true. Yeah, he's 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 a he's a character, all right. I guess Ice Cream Man has been his last starring role. I mean, he's been in Probably. a bunch of stuff since then. Yeah, that was that was like 25 years ago. I'm not sure if there's been other things. You know, there might have been an odd thing here and there where he's had a bigger role in it. But uh, God, without really like going over the filmography, I can't really. Yeah, he appears in oh. shorts too, and he. I was I was looking at yeah. his filmography, and he just, I guess, a few years ago. Um, I think he wrote it and directed it too. It's like yeah, yeah, and some of the things that he's been called in to do, like shorts like that, are things where he is given more of a lead role in them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, some of these films probably only get shown at genre film festivals and things like that. So you just, you know, how are you going to see these things, really? Yeah. But, but now he's a. Uh... He's been able to keep on working throughout his career. I mean, his credits go up to relatively recently still. You know, like uh, I feel like I've seen him on things in the last few years, little bits and pieces here and there, and uh, yeah, still working to to some degree or another. Although I imagine it's uh, beginning to slow down a little bit more as he's getting older. <laughs> you get called out less probably, and especially the studio type stuff. I mean, he's done a lot of big studio films, obviously over his career, mm-hmm. but uh, some of those are, you know, connection with the brother. Of course, yeah. Ron helps a lot in that regard, especially 
you know, his appearance in all Ron's films. But, but if you think of all the other studio films he's been in, though, he's been in quite a few. If you look at the list of his more mainstream work, it, you know, they're not all Ron Howard productions. It's just, you know, knowing the right people, I guess. He's been in a bunch of movies that I've never even seen. Like, I never saw that movie Barbed Wire, if you can believe that. I saw it, but I don't remember him in it. It's not yeah. a very memorable movie, even though I... You know, when it came out, it was something you had to check out. Yeah, I'm sure it's just a cameo anyways. But, I mean, yeah, there's... I mean, I look at the list of his films, and I'm just like, wow, there's just so many things I haven't seen here. I mean, mm. he's he's done so much stuff. It's just it's ridiculous the amount of films he's made. You know? Yeah, like 250 or something like that. Somewhere around Yeah. That. And the TV credits are just as insane too. I mean, the TV yeah. credits are endless, you know. So, yeah. but yeah, he's been a he's he's had a he's had a decent career. I'm sure. Uh, I mean, he's he's content with it. I'm sure he would like bigger roles, bigger lead roles. But uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Take what you can get and be happy. You know, and he knows that he's not exactly uh, you know marquee, uh, good look, uh, leading actor kind of guy. So mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to give the George Clooney rose to Clint Howard. No. Yeah. You know? But yeah, and I'm sure he's not expecting the George Clooney rose either. <laughs> yeah, Clooney's Clooney's not going to lose job to Clint Howard. I don't believe so. No, not unless no, I, things go completely different. In the it's going to have to go into COVID bizarre world territory. Yeah. Exactly, and it's all of a sudden, you know, the new heartthrob is Clint Howard. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah, you know, great little bit part, but the general public is never really going to know who you are. You That's know? true. And one no. thing that's funny, and I should bring it up, is that, you know, like we've been talking about just how kind of goofy and freakish looking uh, Clint Howard is. Mm-hmm. I've heard he's a really nice guy. And uh, the the funny thing as well is that um, he also voices a really cute animated character. Mm-hmm. And it's Rue in the uh, in a couple of uh, um, Winnie the Pooh films. Oh, the Blustery okay. Day. Wow. He's Rue, yeah. <laughs> so well, yeah, he did have a cute little voice. Yeah, I can see him doing voiceovers for for cartoons. I mean, yeah, I could see that. His voice is kind of cartoonish in some ways anyway, so I can imagine he could play that up Yeah, even more so for animated work, you know. Yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. And some would say animated work is the best work for someone with a face like his. Yeah, got a good good face for <laughs> radio. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He definitely has a good face for radio. <laughs> well, but no, well, that's, that's, that's Clint's calling card, really, I guess, is his... Slightly quirky uh, appearance. Exactly. I mean, this is even after she'd done Jackie Brown. It's like, you don't think so? This woman was the lead in a Tarantino movie. No one would know who she is, mm-hmm. let alone her, her work in the 70s, which appeals to a wide range of exploitation fans. I'm like, really? No one's going to care about Pam Grier? I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. I don't know how many years ago it was they brought her to Toronto, Toronto for a Black History Month. And uh, there was an event that happened at the Uptown Theater that I went to. And, yeah, and you know, they filled it up. There was, like, 700 people there. You know, and it's, like, paying 30 bucks each you know, to get in for this thing. And it's, like, no one's going to care about Pam Greer, right? <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Pam Greer, you know. I know. But we're off topic now. <laughs> yeah. So Pam Greer is uh, obviously better looking than Clint Howard, though. I, right? I, I would say so. Say that for the record. Yeah. <laughs> She's definitely bulked up a lot. <laughs> But so, what are you going to do? We all get old. Yeah. Any parting words about Clint Howard? Uh, no. What, what do I got to say? Parting words for Clint Howard. Well, I don't know. You got any parting words for Clint? <laughs> no, I have no doubt we're going to be seeing him till, till you know he's gone forever. You know, like he'll just keep doing bit parts. I think. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, that's he's going to take what he can get, and that seems to be what people throw him into is a lot of like low budget B films and everything. And I think he's fully accepted that. He actually spoke about that in interviews where he he fully understands that his lot in life essentially is to do low budget movies. That not everybody can get all the A list kind of roles, and he's glad when he can get those, and he's glad to take them because it pays better. But at the yeah. same time, he knows that his basic lot in life is is, is B pictures. That's that's him, you know. And he, I, he's, I think he's fine with that or at least he said he's fine with that yeah he, he probably really, is he really is yeah yeah i mean he's, he's said that definitely in interviews before that you know he understands that that's that's his role essentially that's what he works best in and that's what people really want him for yeah that's his audience we're his audience yeah i mean like i can think of like you know like he's been in Adam sandler pictures like i think he was in uh little nicky you know mm-hmm. the, yeah that's the satanic right. one and uh yeah and i mean he shows up in a lot of like a-list movies like that 
in small parts, but I imagine that the pay is so much better for those roles. You know, he's got a line, he's in a studio film. You know, I mean, that's probably there's a lot more probably cash in that than there is going showing up in Carnosaur or something. You know, where the money's probably not that great. Yeah, for sure. So you know, I mean, I think it's uh, he's managed to find a nice blend, I guess, between small roles in studio pictures and then bigger roles or big cameos in like low budget movies, B mm-hmm. movies like Big Bad Wolf and things like that, that he's done so many type of things like that over the years. And, you know, he's always good in them, so. Like, I didn't even know he was in that movie, Fist of the North Star. Did you know that? I saw that Yeah, I saw it in the filmography, but I don't remember him in that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, there's just so many different types of things that he's been in that you're just like, wow, you can't keep up with it, you know? I know. He's a class act. Clint Howard. You gotta yep. love him. There you go. Anyway. I guess that's all we have to say on Clint Howard. That's 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 pretty much it. So that's uh, our first character corner. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the sound is good. And um, that's pretty well it. Okay. So uh, until next time, there see we you go. later. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Welcome aboard. I've grown quite a bit. And so has my thirst for Tranya. I hope you relish this evening as much as I. Ah! <laughs> Thank you for listening. Music is played by Trigger Warning. Check out their Facebook page. Links are in the show notes. A very suspect podcast is copyright suspect video. All rights reserved. See you next week. I wonder why you think you're all alone With my silicone faces and your